Today's Gospel is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Then Jesus began to teach his disciples, The human one must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the legal experts, and be killed, and then after three days rise from the dead. He said this plainly. But Peter took hold of Jesus and scolding him, began to correct him. Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, then sternly corrected Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. After calling the crowd together with his disciples, Jesus said to them, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them. But all who lose their lives because of me and because of the good news will save them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and sinful generation the human one will be ashamed of that person when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. Here ends the reading. Hello, church. Grace and peace to you from your ecumenical siblings. I bring you greetings from the member traditions of the Wisconsin Council of Churches. The council's members represent 2,000 congregations in Wisconsin, nearly 1 million Christians and a variety of organizations which support our mission of praying and working together for the unity and renewal of the church and the healing and reconciliation of the world. Through the wider church, your ministry extends far beyond your own community. Beloveds, it is good to reflect upon God's word together. Will you pray with me? Covenant-making God, we give thanks for this time together, for the gift of holy words and holy truth. Make this preaching moment a sacred time, infusing it with your spirit, that through your word we might remember the way you would have us go and follow. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Several years ago, I was on sabbatical with my daughter, and we were exploring London together for several weeks. One of the great joys of that time was the freedom to explore, to find our own way. Unlike many of the museums here in the United States, the great museums of that city were free. We could visit over and over again without having to pay admission costs. By virtue of proximity, we were able to stop into our favorites for an hour or two in the course of a day's activity without worrying about how much the visit would cost our budget for the month. We got to know each other's ways quite well. Our tastes in art don't generally coordinate. I could wander stained glass galleries for days. I enjoy old illuminated manuscripts and textiles. It was mostly the Victoria and Albert Museum that had my heart. My daughter, nearly 16 at the time, had a thing for the Tate Modern. It's hard to miss this art gallery on the south bank of the River Thames by Shakespeare's Globe Theatre across the Millennium Bridge from St. Paul's, a bustling location packed with people day or evening. 
housed in a redesigned power station with an observation deck and a soaring tower. It's been called an industrial cathedral. On top of the building, there's a lighted sign that announces in capital letters, art changes, we change. The exhibits within provided a variety of answers to the question, how can art change the world? There was no piece we encountered that we could take lightly. Each one demanded the fullness of your attention. A swirl of soil, earth crusted on a canvas. Creation of the planet. A tree of scavenged dry wood bolted together from a part of the globe hurt by industrialization. A tower of radios tuned to different channels, discordant sound blaring, points of colored light in a dim room. Babel. A plaster figure covered in lead, with pierced breast, hands, and feet. It was a lot for the heart to hold. Each piece named a truth from the artist's perspective, in color, paint, photograph, sculpture, word, and it demanded a response. Truth, when manifested in the physical realm, in your presence, unsettles you. There's only so much truth you can take before the desire to turn away wins, and you long to make some space between you and what you've encountered. Peter knows this. Fresh from acknowledging the truth of who Jesus is, Peter, having just been called the rock of the church, is ready to shut it down. To name the Christ, the anointed one, is one thing. But to hear the living of it, the way in which Jesus speaks, this is already too much. Too much suffering, too much rejection, mostly too much truth. The writer of the gospel tells us he, Jesus, said all of this quite openly. Jesus leaves us no wiggle room. It's all quite clear. Already Peter is ready to be done. Let's hit the rewind button and just go back to that moment of innocence just before Jesus mentions suffering and death. He does a snap evaluation of these words, and he says it's not going to sell. Enough with all of this talk. Perhaps if we could manage to be done with the betrayal and suffering, that might be a more reasonable request. But we're so not done. And for that reason, we are in desperate need of a Savior who walks that road with us as far as it leads, who speaks truths in the places of suffering. So Jesus the Christ, anointed one who walks the way, continues speaking plainly. He speaks through artists and writers, street protesters who will not be silenced no matter how many times they're rebuked. They make us uncomfortable. They remind us what a cross-shaped life looks like. They have given up the everyday to speak holy truth into the world because something in their soul cries out and they can do no other. And yet, if we search our hearts in a spirit of honest confession, there are times we long to rebuke them, to take them aside and silence them. We cannot soothe our consciences and our anxiety while they continue to speak. It is difficult to have a moment of peace.
because while they continue to speak, the way of the cross remains open. We see the gap, the parting in the crowd where there is room to follow, and we tremble. Worse yet, there's something for us to pick up, heavy lifting. But we don't want to consider the cross still sitting there as he goes on ahead. His cross, his anointing is one thing, but ours, more truth and too much. Our anger is a manifestation of our fear. We talk back, arguing against disturbances of the peace. Have you not spoken enough and too loudly? Must you make us continue to look? We would like to sustain an everyday, something with a semblance of normal. Perhaps at some point, we disciples might go back and check on our fishing nets, our Facebook feeds, our to-do lists, without having to deal with all that. We pretend our quarrel is with them, the activists, the people who are too political for us, those who continually invade our downtime with this contentious business, the people who will not let us enjoy a quiet meal with family, when our quarrel is really with Jesus. We want to save our lives, the illusion of peace or comfort. We do not want to see the way open before us. If it is open, then we're called to follow, and that is too much to bear. He journeyed into places of pain, hunger, captivity, sickness, teaching, a change of heart, and a change of life. Such change begins with holy truth-telling, and that always makes us uncomfortable. We're forced into considering topics that we avoid in polite conversation, lest they upset a carefully negotiated family or community balance. But our faith invites us into conversation with a first-century, brown-skinned Palestinian who spent his time crossing all the lines. We are called, dear Christians, to launch into uncomfortable conversations in uncomfortable places, precisely because we follow the way of Christ. Telling holy truth will provoke people. This, as the disciple said many a time, is a hard teaching. These conversations do not come without cost. We have to work into them and work at them. We do not go seeking conflict but recognize that conflict is often a byproduct of this way. Jesus told us so. There will be suffering and rejection and death when you go following him. And yet he still said, follow. Disciples following his way cannot avoid suffering and death, but the promise is that the way does not end there. Follow him to the places he chose to go. As those who have ridden the London underground might say, mind the gap. Where are the gaps between the reign of God and the way things are? Seek out the places of pain and hunger, captivity and sickness. Find people traveling difficult roads. Go with them. Hear their pain and lift up their stories. Bring those stories into places where people pretend to be comfortable. Continue to open the way of the cross. Tell the holy, challenging truth. And let the seed of the word take root. This is the way new life comes.
Amen.